Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 17, 2021, and we have football to actually talk about, and I can't wait. My name is Michael Nazarak. I'm host, co-host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com, of course. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy player, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Good to be here. Good to be here. Like you said, looking forward to talking about it. It'd be nice to get talk about guys that are actually going to get drafted in a fantasy league instead of guys that are going to probably be cut in a week or two. But yeah, let's, there are some players to talk about. <laughs> yes, there are. Uh, well, we got the first week of preseason, the first full week of preseason in the books. Uh, some teams chose not to play any of their starters, like the Chargers. They're not going to be playing any of their starters, uh, like Herbert and Eckler and such, uh, at all in the preseason. But then there are others that have battles going on, and that's uh, some of the key uh, training camp and preseason battles. That's what we're going to talk about right now. And let's get right to the first one. Down in New Orleans, uh, the quarterback situation. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, uh, they both played, uh, I believe, uh, I believe uh, Hill got the start. Uh, and he had a, a fairly uh, okay outing. Uh, I think he did throw a pick in there. But uh, And Winston, uh, a little bit better. Uh, but right now there doesn't seem to be any kind of uh, separation between the two. Uh, what is your take on this, Chris, and who do you think is going to ultimately be the starter there? Well, my take on it is that Taysom Hill would be the better fantasy quarterback if he starts, but I don't think he will. Um, and he, it's not even because Jameis Winston is that much better. It's just because Sean Payton is a very, very smart coach. And he knows that if he starts Jameis Winston and has Taysom Hill coming off the bench, just like he's been during the Drew Brees era, you have to game plan for both of them as the opposing coach. If Taysom Hill starts, you're not going to bring in Jameis Winston to do anything. So you can game plan one way. He's going to make it harder for the opponent. So I really think that Winston, and, and he's got 70-plus games as a starter under his belt. Uh, many of them were very successful if you take out some of the interceptions. So uh, I think Winston has is, is, is got a much bigger edge on Hill than most people think. And I, I would be surprised. If he's not the starter, he's going to have to get hurt or really, really fall on his butt in practice, in my opinion, to not be the starter come game one. Okay. Uh, well, well, let's go over three interesting running back situations that are kind of muddled and actually went in a different direction than a lot of fantasy owners thought that they would. The first one down in Miami, uh, Malcolm Brown, the new uh, Dolphin running back, got the start and played actually ahead of Miles Gaskin, who did come in to play some downs, a few downs with the with the starters. But then Gaskin actually stayed in the game and played with the twos. Uh, it, it, now, Brown did not make that much of an impact of the game. He had like eight or nine yards rushing up the top of my head. I can't quite remember, off about eight, eight carries. Uh, and so they talked to Brian Flores today in camp. He says, hey, all these three guys have uh, good situational uh, uh, talent uh, for the team. Uh, Malcolm Brown's a little bit bigger back. Uh, you 
know, uh, we like a change of pace with Miles Gaskin and, and of course, a, a, fa- a very fast uh, back in, in uh, Salvin Ahmed. Uh, but the question is, it looks like right now, moving forward after this first game, it's only one game, so things could change this week, and then, of course, everyone will start thinking the opposite. But it looks like Malcolm Brown might actually be starting uh, on track to start in this, in, uh, for this team, or at least see most of the early down work. Uh, wh- what do you make of this uh, situation? What do you do uh, if, you, uh, if you're targeting Gaskin or, or Malcolm Brown uh, in your draft, uh, Chris? Well, if you're targeting one of the guys, I think you want to target Brown because he can be had much later, and he probably has, at worst, equivalent value from his life in production. So I think Brown's the guy you want to look at, uh, even though you could probably get him a few rounds later than what Gaston's going as of, as of the moment. That could easily change in the next few weeks. Uh, the big thing is that I, don't, I try not to overreact to preseason stuff, carries, snap counts, and everything, until it reflects what reports are coming out of camp. And when, in this case, Brown has been getting a lot of talk. I mean, they signed him to a relatively big money contract to be a backup. And Gaskin and Ahmed both were backups for the most part until multiple injuries allowed them to get in. So I think Brown has probably got the, the edge to be the starter there and will probably outproduce, in, in, minus an injury, the other two guys, and you can get him later. So that's why he's the guy of the three that I'm targeting if I'm going to target somebody in this running game. Yeah, and for all you subscribers out there, we're going to be moving Gaskin down our list and, of course, moving Brown up. We didn't have Brown too 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 far down the list already. I, I, I think I already was a little bit higher on him than a lot of people, but definitely we did have Gaskin up in that top 25 running back area, and, and the way things are going right now, that's not going to happen. So uh, you might want to end up targeting him or not targeting him at all. Uh, let him fall to you. It just depends. And like you said, I think Brown looks like the guy to target if you're going to take one of these two uh, in a draft. Uh, moving on over to Houston, another kind of a, a shocking situation, even though it's just one week. Uh, you've got Phil Blissey, Mark Ingram, and uh, David Johnson. Everyone thought that David Johnson would keep the starting job. That still might happen, but uh, after one preseason game, it was all Lindsey early down, and then David Johnson came in for the two third down situations, uh, and, and Mark Ingram didn't even play, even though he's healthy. So it almost looks like they want to keep Ingram there, but also they have, I believe, uh, a Rex Burkhead in, in, in the mix too. So maybe it might be Burkhead and Ingram fighting for one spot. I, I don't know. It looks like Lindsey might be the guy there. Uh, make heads or tails of this, Chris, and who should be tar- who should be, you should be targeting from the Texans running, running game in a, in a draft. Yeah, I've changed my tune on this a little bit because I really thought it was Johnson's job to lose. But the more I looked at it, um, the, the more I'm thinking it might be Lindsay's. Uh, and then you and I have talked about this a bunch in the last few days as well. Um, the, the fact that, that uh, Lindsay got the snaps on first on everything, I, again, don't worry too much about it. And I don't worry much about what coaches say. I worry about when players say something. And, and in this case, DJ himself is actually talking about the fact that he's resigning himself to – to having a reduced role. So that's, that speaks volumes to me because usually these guys don't talk about themselves in a negative way. So I think there's something real there. I will say that it doesn't totally eliminate uh, David Johnson's value because even as a third down back, he's, a, he's one of the best receiving backs we've had in the league in the last few years as far as his skill set. So a third down back for a team that's going to probably throw a lot isn't necessarily a bad thing. And especially a guy with, with, with the workhorse back capability should something happen to the diminutive Lindsay. So Lindsay, I think it's the better guy. Definitely is going to be the guy that has potential starting running back uh, every week for you, but I, I'm not totally giving, getting rid of any, any value for, for uh, David Johnson here. 
Okay, and for subscribers out there, we, we, we will be moving DJ down the list and Lindsay up accordingly, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, over in Tampa, uh, it's like a three-headed running back by committee situation over there. Uh, Tom Brady and crew, I think, played six snaps. Uh, two, Fournette played two. Ronald Jones played two, and Bernard came in and played two, uh, third down situation. So it looks like two, two, and two. Uh, wow, one big mess. Uh, I, I tell you, I have not drafted any of these three players yet because I'm just I was waiting to see what would happen, and this is exactly what I feared would happen. Uh, what would you do about uh, about any of these uh, Tampa Bay running backs uh, in your draft, Chris? Which one would you target, or would you avoid all of them? Uh, well, I, I don't think any of them have huge value because they're going to split a lot of the touches on what is going to be primarily a passing offense, even with, with leads, as you would expect, for, from as good as they're going to be. Um, I would probably target Jones of the three. Again, he's available much later, and I think the rumors of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. Um, Fournette really only stepped up in the playoffs after Jones got hurt and McCoy wasn't a factor, so he caught some balls. Gio Bernard is going to be a significant third-down factor in a way that LaShawn McCoy never could, and I think that's going to impact Fournette more than it does Jones. And I really don't think Jones has done anything to lose the starting job. So I think he's going to be a lot more active on first and second down than a lot of people are thinking right now. So I'm probably devaluing both of them, but because Jones is coming with an ADP several rounds later in many cases, um, I might actually probably target him of the three as being the most value for the return on investment. Okay, uh, moving on over a couple of tight end notes uh, before we get into the, the list of injuries here for the week. Uh, Anthony Furser, the tight end for t- Tennessee, he played just two of ten snaps with the starters in the Titans' first game. That does not uh, bode well for his value uh, moving forward. Of course, they've got Julio Jones there and A.J. Brown, and, of course, Derrick Henry runs everywhere. So um, I want to keep an eye on him. And also Adam Troutman, uh, plenty of opportunity, hopefully, for him. But he didn't receive a single target in the game, and he, ba- he basically pass-blocked on three of his nine pass plays. Travis Epic is famous for his pass-blocking. Uh, PFF uh, ranked him the number one pass-blocking tight end in the league last year, and so I think he's going to be doing a lot of that. A lot of people are like, oh, he's going to sleeper. Maybe you can get him later in the draft and all, but now people start drafting him up in the 12, 13, 14 round uh, area out of 20 rounds, and I'm like, that's a little bit too uh, too, too early for my taste, uh, you know, for somebody that hasn't done anything yet in the passing game, but, but of course, it's only been one week, but we've got two more weeks to go, and then we have a buy, a mini buy there before uh, the games begin for real, and we'll keep an eye on Troutman and and see what's going on there. Anyway, let's get to the, uh, the the list of injuries here real quickly. Dak Prescott with a shoulder. He returned to limited practice this week, throwing around. Looks like he's on track to, to play come week one. That's good news for the Cowboys fans. Carson Wentz, uh, right there in Indianapolis, Chris. You're right, foot surgery. Uh, we hear from an inside source that he could be uh, he could return. He's way ahead of schedule. Could return for the start of the season, uh, even though he's technically may miss up to six games. We're keeping an eye on that real closely there. Uh, the running back position. Uh, Aaron Jones, hamstring, returned to practice today for the Packers. That's good news. Drondre Swift with a groin. He also returned to practice for Detroit. And Melvin Gordon with a groin. He sat last week, but is expected to return to practice very soon for Denver there. Javonta Williams got to start the rookie and looked good over the weekend there. That's only going to help his fantasy stock, or ADP is going to go by there. At wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, people are like, oh, what's going on with his knee? Well, he's not expected. It's not 
not expected to linger into the regular season, so that's good news there. Of course, we'll keep an eye on him as he progresses towards the start of the season. Justin Jefferson with a shoulder in Minnesota. He returned to limited practice on Monday, so he looks like he's on his track uh, there. Julio Jones, we said with the leg, Titans are, being, Titans are still being cautious with him. I uh, wouldn't expect to see him playing uh, this week. He might not even play at all in the preseason. They know what he can do. Uh, Kenny Galladay with a hamstring for the Giants. He's out another one to two weeks, although he did make an appearance on the field uh, this week. So, you know, I think they're just going to take his time there, make sure he's healthy, and get ready for week one. Michael Thomas uh, with ankle surgery. They're saying he's ahead of schedule in his rehab down in New Orleans. This is still likely to miss multiple weeks heading into the season, but you might be able to get him more at value later in your draft. And if he, when he comes back, if he is completely healthy, then you might actually have uh, quite a stud there. We'll see. Devonta Smith, a rookie, uh, rookie wide receiver for the Eagles, uh, he, he returned to practice. Uh, and I think he's on track there to start in week one. Marquise Brown and Rashard Bateman. Brown with a hamstring. The team is not rushing him back. And unfortunately for, for Bateman, uh, he underwent surgery uh, on his groin area there. He's going to return sometime in September, so that kind of hurts his fantasy value because he's probably not going to be playing the first couple of weeks of the season there. And one more wide receiver, the Jets rookie, Elijah Moore with the quad. He's out this week. The hope is that he can return uh, next week and come back to practice and be uh, okay for week one. Uh, three notes at tight end position number one's a big one darren waller here in las vegas ankle injury that's why he was out for two weeks he returned to practice today everything looks good there so you don't have to, you can big sigh relief for the waller fans out there uh tied in hunter henry and joe new smith for the patriots both of them henry with a shoulder uh, smith with an ankle henry's expected to miss at least another week and get hopefully get back to practice next week and on sunday uh, smith uh, suffered a low left ankle sprain He's missing practice. They hope it's going to be a short period of time there, and they hope to get both these guys back and get them prepared for the start of the season. Oh, and Will Lutz, he did go underwent that uh, surgery, core muscle surgery for the Saints. He's expected to miss at least the first few games. They had signed uh, Brett Maher, uh, the former Cowboy. Uh, yeah, he didn't work out, so he's cut. The Saints are still looking for a kicker for the first couple of games of the season, and we'll be right back after this message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's expert league Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim. Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, uh, we always urge people to go to our website, ffmastermind.com. Lots of good stuff on there, including our flagship feature, the NFL Quick Bits page, which we're going over all of the information uh, that breaks throughout the uh, day for NFL. Player movement, player signings, cuts, waves, uh, uh, also uh, preseason development and such. And uh, I've started uh, back up with the preseason Quick Bits news and views. It's for premium subscribers, uh, draft guide subscribers. I give you my uh, instant analysis on certain things. I like the running back situation here in Miami and Houston and such. Also, we're still keeping track of all the free agents as they sign a player movement tracker and offering free eye-in-the-sky scouting reports. 
including those covering the, the Indianapolis Colts or Scouts are doing two, uh, col- uh, two reports in August, and then we go weekly um, into the season. They're absolutely free. And, of course, we're updating our master's list, customizable cheat sheets, our MCP board, and our executive draft master for our premium subscribers. Version uh, 4 of the draft guide was released last Friday with 22 articles, 444 pages. Um, we're going to be adding perfect drafts to it this week. Uh, those were 10-team leagues as well as 12-team leagues. The price on that's 19.95. Several more articles are coming, of course, including a magic handcuffs for the quarterbacks. A very special article uh, that you don't want to miss that comes from Chris Rita. We're going to be releasing that this week on the site. Our premium summer race Pro Bowl package, $49.95. That gets you almost everything on the site except our drafting software. If you need drafting software, you add that to the newsletters and the draft guide and all everything else, $59.95. And please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. All right, this is the wide receiver uh, preview show. So let's get to the top ten PPR wide receivers Chris, uh, hit me with your top three and why they are ranked as such. As such. All right, I'll start with Devontae Adams. He simply has the, uh, the clearest path towards another top overall wide receiver ranking. He's been four straight years in the top six in per-game PPR among wide receivers, twice being the number one overall. The only receiving game in town this year, he's got a quarterback with a chip on his shoulder, and he's a solid number one you could hope for. He's a loss for double-digit targets every week. And it's also a strong touchdown score, so I think the gap between him and everyone else is a larger than a lot of other people think. Uh, number two is Tyreek Hill. He's just too explosive and too good of an offense to rank any lower. He does get less targets and receptions than the other top PPR guys, but the fact that every catch could be a 70-yard score makes him an efficient fantasy score. You know, he's almost always outside the top 12 or 15 in targets and catches, but he finished in the top five in PPR scoring each of the last three years in points per game, yards, and touchdowns. So maybe even a minor uptick in targets, he'll be the number one overall. But remember, he might be a little more volatile week to week because he's not as reception heavy. And number three is Calvin Ridley for me. Unlike other guys coming off career years, Ridley actually has a clear path to an even higher ceiling in 2021 with Julio Jones and his 9 to 10 targets per game out of town. 2020 is a classic example of what we can expect for Jones being gone for Ridley. Ridley averaged uh, – Five catches on eight targets for 76 yards per game in the, in the eight games with Jones. And in the, the eight games without Jones, he averaged seven catches on 11 targets for 109 yards per game. So I think Ridley's poised for a monster year. Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, okay, my top five here, Devontae Adams. I mean, what more needs to be said? I, I expect to have about 110 catches, uh, catches for about 1,350 yards and 13 scores. Uh, I believe he is in a tier by himself there. Uh, number two, I've got Stephon Diggs. Uh, wow. I mean, uh, we had like, uh, what, 165, 170 targets last year. He caught 100, 120 balls or so. I, I've got I've gotten conservatively at 112, 1,400 yards, nine scores. He is a catching machine. Uh, Josh Allen just loves to throw to him. i got him at number two. And right behind him, Tyreek Hill on my list. 94 catches, 1,300 yards, 13 scores. Of course, he's going to score more than Diggs, but he's going to catch less passes. That almost equals him out in a PPR. He's such a dynamic player. Number four, I've got DeAndre Hopkins, over 100 catches, 1,360. Uh, you know, he's clearly a top-five talent, but he does tend to disappear within games here and there in Arizona. Uh, if you skip him and go down to Calvin Ridley, I don't blame you, only because of this vaccination issue we saw Hopkins mentioned it on a Twitter uh, several weeks ago and kind of, allow, uh, kind of hinted 
granted that he wasn't vaccinated and that couldn't become an issue if he tests positive or whatnot or is a close contact, could miss a game or two. Whereas we know that Calvin Ridley is vaccinated because the entire Falcons team is vaccinated, all 100% of them that's on the roster. They cut a couple of people that were un- unvaccinated this week. So uh, Ridley, like uh, Chris said, he's the dynamic, dynamic player. He actually play, produces uh, better without Julio Jones, and he will have none, none of Julio Jones this year. So I expect about 95 catches, 13-7, and nine scores from Calvin Ridley. Uh, top top five, those, the, any of these guys are solid WR1s. What's, who's the rest of your top five, Chris? Yeah, my number four is, is the rest of my top five is the same as yours, just a different order. Number four, I've got Stephon Diggs. Like you said, he's a catching machine. I just can't shake the feeling that last year's career year was such a huge uptick that it might not be indicative of what we can realistically expect every year. Yes, he's great. He's a focal point of the passing game, all the things you said. But I think this team would rather not air it out all the time as much as it does. But he's a safe bet to be a target hog in any case. So his floor is high due to targets and catches, and his ceiling could rise if he could ever find the end zone a little bit more often. He's maybe the one guy in the top ten that could disappoint you if he only has a Pro Bowl caliber season if he regresses to the mean a little bit. And then number five is Hopkins. Like you said, he's got ludicrous volume that drives his PPR value in Houston and, again, in Arizona. Um, I have to assume he's going to stay at that level of usage till I see otherwise. And if people honor Murray's ability to run in the red zone more this year after his you know, 11 or 12 touchdowns, his touchdowns might crack double digits after a dip the last few years. This guy's perennially in the top five receivers without scoring touchdowns in many of the last few years. Just imagine what he'll do if he starts to hit pay dirt a little more often. Okay. Uh, the rest of uh, the next three on my list, that is, the number six guys, D.K. Metcalf, Seattle. Uh, wow, what a jump he made from his rookie year to his second year. And I don't think he's going to play just as well this year. Uh, doesn't quite catch as many as passes as the other guys, but still almost, uh, I project almost 90 catches here, 1,310 yards and 11 scores. He's a true beast, and there are only a few corners in the lead that can shut him down. Uh, maybe Jalen uh, uh, Ramsey. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, if you draft Metcalf, you can't go wrong there. Then you got Justin Jefferson, Minnesota, uh, over 90 catches, I think, 1,400 yards, eight scores there. He didn't quite score as much because Adam Thielen will steal a lot uh, in the passing game there, along with Dallas Cook. But still, the kid is a, a true stud. Uh, it's just entering his second year. I've got a number seven. And then the old reliable Keenan Allen, the best route runner in the league, uh, over 100 catches, about 1,200 yards, nine scores. He's always underrated in the emergence of Justin Herbert. I uh, on this now, I think, a clear, solid uh, WR1 for fantasy. You can't go wrong with him. What about the rest of your top ten, Chris? Yeah, pretty much uh, along the same lines. I got Metcalf six as well. I mean, he took over from Lockett. It's the best thing in the passing game in Seattle. He looks poised to be even more dominant for us. Um, I put him this high on my list because the new offensive scheme they have in Seattle this year could be even more wide open, and I think it could actually afford him a chance at 100 receptions as well as his high productivity. So I'm hoping that an increased reliance on the passing game will smooth out his weekly volatility some and raise his floor, but his ceiling is crazy high. Um, I've got Justin Jefferson number seven as well. Um, he had a 1,400-yard you know, rookie season, just crazy. Um, I tend not to predict more than that since they're still going to be primarily a rushing team first with Dalvin Cook. They're still feeling in his double-digit touchdowns, and Irv Smith has been looking like a red zone weapon. So he probably won't be able to step up his red zone or touchdown scoring this year. So he's dependent on repeating those surprising numbers and yards and catches. I think he'll come at least close and stay in the top ten. And then you talk about old reliable. I've got Allen Robinson, not quite as old as Keenan Allen, but still pretty reliable. Third in targets, fourth in catches, eighth in yards, and that was with Trubisky and Foles tossing it to him last year. I mean, he has a monster top three year in the past with Blake Bortles, for Pete's sake. So I think Dalton and Fields is a huge step up, 
and he's showing good chemistry so far. Among the top ten guys, he must be one of the, he might maybe one of the few with a clear path towards an even better statistical season because of the improved quarterback play. Um, this is probably a little ahead of where most people will rank him, so I'm probably going to have a lot of shares of A-Rob this year. Um, number nine, I've got Keenan Allen, the old reliable one, like you said, we, the highest weekly and season-long floor in this tier because he's very dependent on his high-volume usage and a strong reception total. He's got 400 catches with a low over the last four years, with a low of 97, and 600 targets with a low of 137. So that's pretty much pencil him in for 100 catches, 150 targets, no matter what. Predictably high usage rate. And because of his offensive scheme and the place he plays, he's a plug-and-play wide receiver one, and he's matchup-proof and weather-resistant. And then number 10, I've got A.J. Brown. Uh, his trajectory steadily pointing upward. He managed number seven overall wide receiver ranking in points per game after missing the first four and playing on one knee all season, so he could be even better. Um, a lot of people are assuming a healthy season and a viable threat in Julio Jones should free him up to continue to be the big play and red zone threat. His only downside is a low number of receptions, and unfortunately the target hog Jones is probably going to cap his reception upside again. But he's a solid and strong number one, and I see his ceiling is a little lower due to the scheme and the personnel in Tennessee now being a little bit better. Okay. Uh, well, my number nine is, uh, I believe, your number eight, Alan Robinson, for many of the same reasons you have old, reliable, not quite as old as Keenan Allen. But uh, <laughs> if this kid can produce and catch 100 passes uh, with uh, crappy quarterbacks like Trubisky, uh, you know, with, with fields coming on the play and looking good, uh, and Andy Dalton there, I think he's going to at least do what he did last year and then break into the top ten here, uh, about 1,300 yards uh, on the low end, maybe seven scores, and he can definitely improve on that. So he end up even better in the top ten here. And number ten, I've got A.J. Brown, too. Uh, it, it's tough to rank him too high only because of the presence of Julio Jones, and I know that uh, people think that Julio's going to miss some games. He probably will, but, you know, there's also games where they just run, run, run with Derrick Henry. Uh, Brown will get his. Uh, he does. He maxes out uh, with the throws that come to him. Uh, even though Corey Davis had a uh, breakout year last year, Brown still got the production and scored, and I've got him at about uh, almost 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and nine scores there. I can see him scoring 10 or 11 times, too, this year, too. So very solid. And just a preview for you guys, if you uh, want to read up what I think of Ter- Terry McLaurin, he's my number 11 guy. Uh, you can read up more on him in the preseason draft guide. Okay, let's uh, talk uh, interesting sleepers, creepers, underrated, overrated guys. Uh, give me a couple of underrated guys, uh, Chris, at the wide receiver position for PPR. Uh, underrated guys, I'm going to start with Marvin Jones. Again, I mentioned earlier I don't listen to a lot of talk out of camp. I put a lot of stock in preseason games unless they start to match up. And Marvin Jones is really looking like he's going to have a good year here. He's the only guy with nine receiving touchdowns each of the last two seasons in the whole NFL, and he's one of only two guys with three seasons like that in the last four, Devontae Adams being the other. He's always playing second fiddle to a bigger star his whole career. There's A.J. Green and Tate and Galladay. Now, this year, Chark and, uh, and LaVisca Chenault are being drafted ahead of him by two and three rounds each. Chark's got a finger injury, and he's been openly criticized for his play by Urban Meyer, and Chenault has been inconsistent and flashy. So Jones has been drawing praise every day. He's been the favorite target for Trevor Lawrence in their only game action so far, and I think Jones is a great value as a 10th-round pick and a number four or five receiver that could produce solid weekly scores with some good best ball upside. He's a, he's a streaky touchdown scorer. Uh, second guy that's underrated is Brandon Cook. Um, here's, here's a list for you. DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Cook. That's the entire list of wideouts who have finished inside the top 15 at the position five times in the last six seasons. He has actually been a far more efficient fantasy scorer than Hopkins himself in that time, and he's done so on four different teams with about 10 different quarterbacks. 
So with the Texans likely to throw a lot and Will Fuller out of the picture, if he even gets a fraction of the expected target share, he's going to outproduce his draft position by far. With, a, with As a wide receiver four with high-end number two potential, he is vastly underrated in fantasy drafts this year as a ninth-round pick on average. Yep, uh, two good choices, in fact, in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's draft, which is a best ball slim format where we don't draft kickers or defenses, go 18 rounds. In round 13, I took uh, Marvin Jones as my number four or five, actually five, five wide receivers. So I got good, great value on him. A couple of guys I like this week, Mike, uh, Mike this, this season, that is, Mike Williams uh, for the Chargers. Uh, both the coaches and as well as Justin Herbert said, hey, we got to get Big Mike the ball more. He's a little bit dinged up in camp right now, but, uh, you know, they expect him to be healthy. And uh, the best of all that you, you can, uh, his ADP right now is between uh, 11 and thir- around uh, 10, 10 to 12. Uh, so you can get him as a RWR4 or R5 if you go wide receiver heavy there. Uh, very good talent. They throw to him more and he stays healthy. I think he can seriously increase his statistics so far. And, it might, you know, he, he wants that because, uh, you know, he wants a second contract, and it's unclear whether the Chargers are going to give it to him or not right now. And then uh, another sleeper that's uh, really was one of my two deep sleepers in the, in the draft guides really starting to make some noise because they didn't even play him because they didn't want uh, to risk uh, getting him injured because he's running with the first units. Brian Edwards, the second-year guy for the Las Vegas Raiders down the road here, uh, He's really impressing everybody, Derek Carr and all. Uh, and, and best of all, I mean, when I when I put him into the draft guide, his ADP was around <laughs> around 20 or 21. Well, it's come come up since then, but it's still around 16, 17, uh, you know, possibly even 18. And uh, so you can sneak him in as a WR6 uh, and uh, you know sit him on your bench, see what he does the first couple, two, three, four weeks. I think you'll be surprised he does have a role on that team moving forward. How about a couple of guys that you think are overrated, Chris, wide receiver? Uh, I think Chase Claypool is being overrated in draft. I mean, he's a third receiving option on his own team, and at times the fourth when Eric Ebron shows up. And he's consistently being drafted ahead of Juju and sometimes even ahead of Deontay Johnson. He had a third less targets and catches in each of these two. And this year I think the pie is going to shrink as they run the ball more with the rookie Harris. Um, it's not that I don't love his skills and his future. I just don't see a clear path towards an upswing in targets or touches for Claypool such that would merit a rise in, in his relative production to those other guys. If anything – his strong touchdown dependence for fantasy scoring might just indicate to me a greater chance of regression after that 11-touchdown rookie season. You're almost hoping for a long-term injury to one of the other two targets in the Pittsburgh passing game to get the return on value at his current draft position. And then another guy, and this pains me to say it because I think he's been one of the greatest receivers of, of in the last 20 years, Julio Jones. Um, is he a great receiver? Absolutely. Is he a solid fantasy receiver? Also, yes. Is he a low-end wide receiver one? No. <laughs> but with the return of the Titans you know, team, and with the nature of the Titans team and a young star across the field from him, Jones should see single coverage a lot more than he ever has before. I just question the target share as well as the number of balls in the air in Tennessee to merit his being drafted in the fourth round on average. He's going in the same range as guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Robert Wood, guys with higher PPR floors like Cooper Cup. And it's just hard to overlook his injury history of late as well. Um, I'd have no problem taking him as a high three or having him as a low number two if I wait on the position, but someone else is going to take him long before I would. The value for return on investment on the draft capital needed to get him is just not there. I'd rather spend that fourth-round pick securing T.J. Hawkinson than a riskier wide receiver, too, like Jones. 
Okay. Uh, a couple of creepers, I think, this year, and I was really high on this guy last year going into last year, and then he got injured, and then it was like hit and miss. Marquise Brown, he currently has a hamstring injury. Uh, uh, what else is new there? His ADP is 9, 10 area, round area, and I think that's just too high. Um, uh, Lamar Jackson's inconsistent favorite receiver, still Mark Andrews. you got Sammy Watkins now making all kinds of noise in camp as the best receiver out there, and I know Rashard Bateman's injured right now, but he's going to rejoin the team in September there. I think I just don't see that much of an improvement happening with Marquise Brown and people are drafting him as a, as a WR4, uh, you know, on many, on, in many drafts, and I just think that's too high. The other guy uh, at, at a position that I'm not seeing drafted until really late, but I wouldn't draft him at all, is John Brown. Everyone assumes that John Brown's going to start for the Raiders, and that's not happening. Brian Edwards is the man I just mentioned as a start. And now uh, John Brown's current ADP is around 19 or 20 area. Uh, people are grabbing him at very light, thinking that they're going to get a burner that's going to surprise and all. Yeah, he's going to surprise by uh, playing at the second team and not seeing much action on the field. They want Remember, they got Henry Ruggs there as a speedster, and they want him to develop, and they want him to start uh, alongside uh, Brian Edwards there. And, of course, you got Darren Waller now is healthy again, so I would avoid John Brown uh, basically – just take them off my list at that point. So anyway, uh, we, we want to thank everyone for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nedrick. Uh See you all next week when the tight end position from a fantasy perspective is previewed. Good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week. Lots of excitement. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.